DiscerningHearts.com presents Fountains of Grace, Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett. In this particular series of episodes, Donna discusses with Father James Perez The Way of Trust and Love, a retreat guided by St. Therese, written by Father Jacques Philippe. John Paul II has said, The little way is the way of spiritual childhood. This way contains something unique that is a part of the genius of St. Therese of Lisieux. At the same time, it holds a confirmation and a renewal of the most fundamental and universal truth. For what truth of the gospel message is more fundamental and universal than this? That God is our Father and we are His children. We now begin Fountains of Grace with Donna Garrett. When a person is faithful to his or her times of prayer, day after day, week after week, it is like someone with a well in the garden that's choked with rubbish, branches, leaves, stones, mud, but underneath is water, clean and pure. In spending time in prayer, you're setting to work patiently to unblock the well. What comes up at the start is the mud and the dirt, our wretchedness, worries, fears, guilt, self-blame, the things we normally avoid. Plenty of people run away from themselves. There's a real fear of silence today. But those who have the courage to go forward into the desert end up finding an oasis. Let's stay with the image of the well. We start digging, and at first it's not very pleasant. We come face to face with our limitations and deficiencies. But if we persevere, we discover, to our joy, that at the bottom of our heart flows a pure spring of water, the presence of God dwelling in us. Only prayer grants us access to the bottom of our heart. So as we continue on this image of the well, we start digging, and at first it's not very pleasant. We come face to face with our limitations and deficiencies. But if we persevere, we discover to our joy that at the bottom of our hearts flows a pure spring of water, the presence of God dwelling in us. Only prayer grants us access to the bottom of our hearts. So, Father, in reading this passage of the way of trust and love, I couldn't help but think about um, my first experiences with spiritual exercises and how I felt like I lived out this very experience of digging out the well in my spiritual life. Exactly. Sometimes that's what happens. We dig, 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 and all of a sudden we, we feel that we are not uh, worthy of God. Um, but that's 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 a that's an experience that usually happens uh, when you are trying to go from good to better, you know, to from just being good to be holy. When you you want to make that step towards holiness, well, what does the devil do? He doesn't want you to do that, so he creates desolation. So he creates that anxiety, and he just makes you look at the dirty water and how unworthy you are. And he doesn't want you to move on, because he doesn't want you to make that step to holiness. So, but in those moments of of desolation, we have to be very patient. 
very patient and to and to realize that those things do not come from God. You know, maybe this is not the time to to differentiate between desolations and consolations in the spiritual life, but we just just a very quick criteria, and that in desolations are those things that um, that God allows, yes, but we find if this in that they don't come from God. Whenever we we see that they don't give us peace, that interior peace, and whenever we see that they don't bring us to an increase of faith, of hope, and charity. You know, and so whenever you experience that and, and you realize, uh, oh, this is not allowing me to grow in my spiritual life. This is, you know, it's just focusing on myself. Then you say, no, this doesn't come from God because God wants me to love him more. So, yes, that's an experience that actually a lot of the saints have in the dark night of the soul, we call it, right? That they go from a moment where they just they realize um, that they experience the darkness, but experience the darkness so that they can see the light, you know. But it is through um, through the help of God's grace that little by little, you know, you come to experience uh, after the Good Friday and the Holy Saturday, you come to experience the resurrection. But you had to go through that process. Well, and I think every Christian who is serious about engaging in a relationship with God is going to find those those parts in their life that um, that need cleaning out. You know, it's like the image of the the gardener who tends his rose bushes, and if you don't cut away the dead and the prickly parts, then the new life can't grow forward. And I think that in this book, The Way of Trust and Love. Father Philippe helps remind us that, that that's essential to trusting and loving and growing in a relationship of trusting and loving with God because not everything we are going to see in ourselves is beautiful. We don't see it as beautiful, but God sees it as beautiful. And what we see is muck and roadblocks. God doesn't see it that way. Exactly. You know, God always has a plan. And since he has a plan, it's a plan full of love for us. Um, and I, I love that it's a quote. If you allowed me to read this quote from, that is my, one of my favorite quotes uh, from uh, Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, where it says, For I know well the plans I have in mind for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for war. Plans to give you a future full of hope. So it is God who knows you know, so sometimes, yes, he allows the, the darkness, he allows uh, the anxiety, but we have to remember, he has a plan, and that plan is a plan of love, it's a plan full of hope, so he knows what is best for me. So if I abandon myself to him, and I see, I embrace myself to his love, then I will see that the water will clear, then I will see the light and I will see uh, his face at the end of the tunnel. St. Therese writes about her experiences with prayer, and she's very clear in that her prayer, usually, usually no great lights or inspirations came to her. She says, I understand and I know from experience that the kingdom of God is within us. Jesus does not need books or learned doctors to instruct souls. He who is the doctor of doctors teaches without any need of words. 
I have never heard him speak, but I feel that he is in me, that at every moment he is guiding me, inspiring me with what I should say or do. Just when I need it, I discover lights I had not seen before. It is not usually during prayer that they are most abundant, but rather amidst my daily occupations. So when I read this passage and I studied on it, I thought of so many people I know who've gotten discouraged at prayer because they're looking for those big lights and those big inspirations. And when they don't come, they assume that their prayer is not fruitful or that somehow they're not holy enough to hear God's voice. And I remember uh, hearing a talk regarding something of this nature, and the priest said that, you know, we may delegate certain hours of the day for prayer, but we need to keep our hearts tuned into the Lord throughout the day precisely for the same reason that St. Therese eloquently says in her letters, that God does sometimes bring very mystical experiences to someone in prayer. But for the majority of us, God's grace and inspiration finds its way into our hearts when we are not looking for it. I want to begin this uh, discussion with uh, another quote of the prophet Jeremiah. It says in chapter 29, verse 13, When you look for me, you will find me. Yes, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me with you, says the Lord. Now, is seeking the Lord with all my heart. So what prayer, I had to ask myself very, uh, ask myself this question. What am I seeking in prayer? Am I seeking God? Or am I seeking my ego satisfaction? If I am seeking God, then it's not about great inspirations, great theological discourses, or about great lights. If I am seeking God, if I am seeking His face with all my heart, then, yes, if I feel dry one moment, okay, fine. But uh, what am I seeking? You know, am I seeking to be better than my neighbor, better than the other person who I, oh, she's so talented, or she's, look at, she's like the, in ecstasy when she's at Mass. I'm, I'm, no, what am I seeking in prayer? If I am seeking God, then I am seeking His face. I am seeking Him with all my heart. So, and this is, this is hard, because sometimes we, we forget that prayer is, again, I think I've mentioned to you this before, is about what God does, not what I do. It's a gift. Prayer is a gift. So since it's a gift from God, I cannot do anything. Obviously, I have to, yes, I can do something. I have to seek, seek Him every day with all my heart. And I think this helps us, and, and remember, therefore, this the prayer... Uh, is learning through prayer means to die to ourselves, right? Because I need to die to my egoism. I need to die to that self-achieving of wanting to do things my way. The more I die to myself, then the more I can seek God and I will come to know His face. Well, and I think you uh, pointed out something very important there is that Um, Prayer is not about God answering our requests, and that sometimes even the requests we have are very noble. But if they are not answered, it's not because God is not 
listening to our prayer. It's because God is choosing to reveal himself to us in a different way. And it may not be a way we're looking for. It's not a way we're expecting, or maybe even a way that we want. But God knowing everything, it's the best way for him to come to us. And and you also made the point that sometimes we need to check, like, is our prayer intent here to manipulate God? Are we thinking that this prayer that we're, this time we're giving him is so that he will answer us in a certain way? Because then it's not a purity of intention. It's not going to spend time with him because he is God. It's going to him in hopes that he fulfills a bargain we think he owes us. Exactly. We want God according to our own, um, you know, our own desires. We got. Uh, we want God. Um, we just don't allow God to be God in our own lives, uh, and therefore that's why we want to manipulate. Just use that word, manipulate our prayer, and that's very true, because we want Him to give me this and this and this, and then God is saying, "Well, what about?" my providence well what about uh, the plan that I have for you don't you realize that I have a plan full of hope for you and 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 therefore remember that when we manipulate our prayer then in one sense we are manipulating our God's plan for us and um, in, you know so we in one sense we kind of we can say that we are doing some harm in our own spiritual life because we are not allowing uh, God's beautiful a loving plan to come to fulfillment in our own lives. There is a subtle but very common temptation in the spiritual life. With the excuse of wanting to be perfect, we seek to examine our inner selves too much, to evaluate ourselves and measure our progress. The usual result is that of a discontent and permanent sadness slips into our lives since we are never fully satisfied with ourselves. Such as attitude causes us to center ourselves when what we need to do is throw ourselves on God with unlimited trust. We are more concerned about ourselves than about God. The only way really to forget ourselves is by lacing all of our hope in God. I don't mean we shouldn't examine our consciences. That is something we must do. But we should ensure that examination of conscience doesn't degenerate into gazing gloomingly at ourselves. The best way to discern our real sins is to look at God, to take His Word as our mirror. So I thought that um, most of us have, have heard conversations regarding us looking at our ourselves too critically. Sometimes we call that scrupulosity. But I also thought about this lesser temptation, and maybe not so much for for men, but but for sure for women. That in the spiritual life, we um, we can wait too long to seek a relationship with God because we look at ourselves and we see all the areas we're imperfect, all the areas that we fail, and we think. I want to fix all this first, and I want to clean all this up first before I ask God in. And there's a real danger in keeping God out of that that desire to grow in holiness, as if we could. Exactly. There's a great danger because then we forget that we should love God with all our heart, with all our mind, 
with all our strength, meaning all. And God wants us to love Him with our imperfections. Yes, even our imperfections. How? Because through our imperfections, it's not saying that well, then we just can go and sin. No, but by accepting the way we are, then we are saying, okay, God, I depend on you. Okay, God, I know that I cannot do this. You see, the problem here is that we try to control all, all the different, our intimacy with God. We try to control our relationship with Him. And therefore, we want to go to Him and feel that we are perfect. When God, He, he, he said, well, give me, give me room to work. You know? I, I, so in one sense, through our imperfections, we're giving God room to work in us. So it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful to understand that, yes, even in my, in my imperfections, it is there when I realize I cannot do this. So it's so beautiful that there's that dependence where I can go to God and say, I just can't do this. I need you. And in one sense, I think that God, every time we go to him uh, and saying, I need you, I cannot do this alone. You need to help me. I think for God, that's one of the most beautiful moments, uh, you know, when we go to Him as a child and say, I cannot do it. So that's why in, when we look at ourselves and really accept ourselves without limitations, that we really give a tremendous space for God to really work in us. And I think that that is the essence of St. Therese's little way. And she says in herself, she concludes her autobiography, and she says that she feels that even if she had on her conscience all the sins that could ever be committed, she would go heartbroken with repentance, throw herself into Jesus' arms, because she knows how dearly he loves her and loves the prodigal son who returns to him. And she writes to her sister, uh, Mother Agnes, and she says, People might think that it's because I have not sinned that I have such a great trust in God. Tell them clearly, Mother, that if I had committed all possible crimes, I would still have the same trust. I feel all that multitude of offenses would be like a drop of water falling into a blazing furnace. Yeah, I think that what you were reading that uh, beautiful passage, it reminded me uh, in the beautiful parable of the prodigal son. And sometimes, obviously, we identi identify, you see, the prodigal son that comes back, but then we forget about the other son. Uh, and actually, the other son, in one sense, was worse because he lived in the house of the father, but he lived with an attitude of a slave, as, he, uh, and as if he was a slave and he really didn't live in the house of the father. And sometimes that could be our attitude. We think that... Um, we are there, we're working hard, and uh, we're trying to be good Christians, but then we forget, as if we have an attitude of a slave, we don't need, look at God as our Father that is there to embrace us, is there to help us, is there to, you know, there is so much joy when we go to Him. So I think that St. is telling us uh, in this great way of trust, trust in God, who loves you infinitely and will never abandon you. You've been listening to Fountains of Grace, Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett. In this particular series of episodes, Donna has been joined by Father James Perez, 
discussing The Way of Trust and Love, a retreat guided by Father Jacques Philippe. To hear and or to download this episode along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. Join us next time for Fountains of Grace, Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett.